I continue today with the series of sermons on Joseph, and we'll be looking in Genesis chapter 42. Genesis chapter 42. I hope you've been here and you know a little bit about the, about the man Joseph. Beginning in Genesis 37 and ending in Genesis 50. is a life story of an individual. A man of character, a man of integrity, a man of humility, a man of forgiveness. A perfect almost type of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the first message I preached entitled that message, Joseph, a type of Christ. Last week I preached Joseph the Savior. And because of his leadership ability, his previous training, he's now in Egypt. And he's there and has the goods to save and salvage a nation and a family. Verse number 6 for us today out of Genesis 42. The Bible said, and Joseph was the governor over the land. And he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Just a little background if you have your Bible and we'll not turn to these places. But in Genesis chapter 37, in verse 1, you see Joseph is 17 years of age and feeding his flock. In Genesis 37, verse 4 and 11, the Bible says that Joseph is hated and envied by his brothers. In Genesis 37, verse 24, we notice that Joseph has found himself in the pit. His brothers hated him, was going to kill him. But Reuben, the older brother, persuaded them not to do so. And so they throwed Joseph in a pit that was free from water. And Joseph was in this pit because of the envy and hatred of his brothers. In Genesis 37, verse 28, we find Joseph is in Egypt. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse 36, we see Joseph at the slave sale, being sold as a slave. In Genesis 39 and verse 1, we find Joseph being purchased by Potiphar, a political hierarchy down in Egypt, and makes Joseph the head of his household. In Genesis 39 and verse 7, we notice that Joseph is propositioned by Potiphar's wife. In Genesis 37 and verse 8, we notice Joseph is refusing to dip his colors and compromise with sin. In Genesis chapter 39 and verse 20, we find Joseph in prison. In Genesis chapter 40 and verse 23, we notice Joseph is forgotten. Probably at the First Baptist Church of Egypt, Joseph was on the prayer list. Joseph was mistreated. Joseph, a member of a 
dysfunctional family. Joseph, who's been ridiculed and mistreated by his ten brothers. Joseph probably is in prison now, and he's been there for two long years, forgotten by those who said they would help him get out. And probably Joseph is on the prayer list, and everybody's praying for Joseph because he's down and out. He's really in bad shape. But I wonder if anybody put him on the prayer list when he was governor. I wonder when he was governor and been promoted by Pharaoh to the, uh, to the highest office in all of Egypt. I wonder if folk still continue to pray for him or began to envy his success. I wonder if anybody started saying, well, the only reason he's where he is because he knew somebody. Why is it we always pray for the down and outers, but we don't pray for the up and gutters? We take them off the prayer list as soon as they have a decent paycheck. <laughs> and God knows we can't pray for anybody that's got any money and been successful because they probably didn't do it right, or if they'd done it right, we'd be there instead of them. <laughs> i tell you what, this church would be in a sad state of affairs if in wanting for those whom God has blessed and they did not forget where the blessings came from. We wouldn't have a farm if we didn't have people with money. And the Bible said, God giveth wealth and addeth no sorrow to it. Can anybody say amen? I am here to confirm God didn't create wealth for the devil's crowd. He created wealth for us if we could just be trusted with it. You're welcome. That wasn't in the sermon. I just thought I'd pitch it in for nothing. But I get so tired of folk looking at folks that's driving decent cars that I wonder if they're behind on their payments. Amen. Well, then in Genesis 41, we see Joseph no longer in prison, but standing before Pharaoh. And Genesis 41 and verse 41, Joseph is promoted. And in 42 verse 6, let's read it again. That same fellow that was in the pit, that same fellow that spent three years in prison, that same fellow that's been 13 years now in the Hard Knock University, the fellow who has learnt patience, the fellow who has learnt forgiveness, the fellow who has been humbled, the fellow who now has been able to manage all the affairs of Potiphar in his house, and the man who was able to manage all the prisoners in the prison house, the man who has been taught by God to be a leader now in verse 6. Look at this. And the Bible says, And Joseph, the same one that was in the pit. And Joseph, the same one envied by his brothers. And Joseph, the one who dreamed the dreams that one day his brothers would bow at him and one day his mother and his father and his brothers would bow to him. And Joseph, the one who spent those years in prison forgotten. And Joseph, 
was the governor over the land. Could I please speak with you for just 20 minutes? You say, you can't even say your name in 20 minutes. About Joseph, the ruler. We've seen Joseph, the type of Christ. We've seen Joseph, uh, the Savior. But please look with me if this morning. In this chapter of Genesis, we see God working in his sovereign grace. Joseph did not see God working in his life necessarily. The ten brothers did not see Joseph being formed and made to the image of Christ. Joseph's father, Jacob, the patriarch, did not realize what was going on. He thought Joseph was dead. The brothers thought Joseph was dead. He was wiped from their memory completely, but in the mind and plan and sovereign will of God, God was working with Joseph. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you are not an accident. You are not just somebody sitting anywhere listening to somebody say anything. Well, I wish I could. Would you write that down? <laughs> you are a special instrument of Almighty God. The teenagers, the older folks, and even the kids in the children's church, they are incorporated in the plan of God. And may I say, we all fail a test every once in a while. Somebody said, well, I'm not very good at taking tests. I was not either. That's the reason I always miss school when they had tests. You say, did you graduate? No, I quit you waited. But God, in his sovereign grace, if we'll read this chapter, we'll find God working in regards to the, to the nation of Israel. I don't know if you know it or not, but God loves Israel. And I'll tell you, America better fall in love with Israel. And I do not want to be on the other side of Israel. I want, and God is working with Israel, Jacob, Israel, the father of the nation. God also is working in this chapter with the people of Egypt. Egypt was the, was the national uh, power of the day. They talk about the riches and the splendor, and the beauty, and the architecture, and the education, and the science of Egypt. Did you know we still do not have a machine capable of putting the top rock on the pyramid, but the Egyptians did it with slave labor. We still do not have the embalming fluid that Egypt was able to mummify those people. Uh, Egypt was a very science-orientated educated, uh, knowledgeable city. And here we have a slave boy running the whole show. Now tell me God's not in that. Somebody said, well, I don't understand how a corn pone guy like you from the hollers of Tennessee could ever pastor this church. There's only one word to explain it, God. You say, preacher, look what you've done over these years. I've done nothing except just ride the ship. 
I've not been driving. I've not been guiding. I've just been enjoying. Can anybody say amen? And I'm here to tell you today that God is working in sovereign grace. And here's the key. Here in this chapter, we see how that God has sent salvation to the world. If you'll notice something about Joseph, it illustrates God's way of bringing sinners to himself. Notice, if you would please, how God works to bring sinners to himself. First of all, he sends affliction. Now, everybody does not get saved because of affliction, but some of you birds got saved in jail. You say, you mean you got people in this church that's been in jail? We got people that still need to be there. (laughs) Now, don't you go and stick your thumb in your mouth and say, preacher was talking about me this morning. (laughs) Dear Lord, God sent, the Bible said, David made his cry unto the Lord out of his troubles. Hey, sometimes we just get so comfortable and so so set down and so backed up and so laid by, we don't realize there's still a God and all for once in a while, He sends something our way to remind us we ought to be praying instead of bragging. Amen. He sends affliction. 13 years of affliction. 13 years of pain. 13 years from everything of being falsely accused, chased by a woman who he did not want to have anything to do with, thrown into prison, lied to by the baker and the butler, and 13 years. And I challenge you, read Genesis 37 to 50 and see if you see him complaining one time. You do not hear Joseph, woe is me. You do not hear Joseph blaming everybody in the world for his dilemma for 13 years. He might have understood what that song said, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. None of us have arrived. And 13 years Joseph suffered affliction. He suffered hurt, trouble, and heartache. And the affliction, we see it in Joseph's life. Then we see redemption, help, deliverance, and blessing. And for all of those who had affliction and experienced redemption, they always find that ingredient of love. Joseph fell in love with God. And Joseph, God, stayed with him through all the difficulty. Well, meanwhile, Joseph has been promoted now, not to prisoner, but to potentate. Joseph has been promoted, not to a down and outer, but now he's the prime minister of the greatest, most elaborate, Splendor country in all the world. He now has the ring from Pharaoh's finger. You know what that ring was? It was his platinum American Express. 
That ring stamped on any document, bill paid by Pharaoh. They dressed him in beautiful clothes because he was to dress according to his position. He was given the second chariot. That's one right behind Pharaoh, his own limousine. And had people in front of his chariot in the parade saying, everybody bow to Joseph. Bow to Joseph. Prestige, power, governor. But meanwhile, back at the farm, look at verse 1 of chapter 42. Meanwhile, back home. Meanwhile, back in Hebron, that little hamlet down there in Canaan. Meanwhile, the brothers who had sold him into slavery. Meanwhile, his passive father, who showed preferential treatment to Rachel's kids. Meanwhile, he's governor. But verse 1 says, And when Jacob, his father, saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt, famine, as Joseph had promised, had now stroked across the world, and now there was nothing to eat, no water in the cisterns, cattle are dying, nothing for them to eat, families are dying. And he said, Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. Now, can you imagine just a minute? Last time we saw these ten guys together, they were throwing Joseph in a pit. Last time we saw these ten guys, they were selling Joseph for just 20 pieces of silver. Have you ever heard this? What goes around comes around. Have you ever heard this? Be sure your sins will find you out. Have you ever heard that? Now, these 10 guys are leaving and they're going to make the long, long journey down to Egypt. They don't know that Joseph is king in charge of all the stuff. They have no idea. Now, notice something. A Hebrew was forbid to cut his beard. An Egyptian thought beards were bad, so they shaved their face. Huh? Dressed right. Here comes ten shepherds dressed in shepherd's clothes. Country boys, if you please. Probably from Tennessee, like some other hick I know. Probably a redneck. Several years ago when I started this church, some folk got jealous because we started having a crowd and they accused us of only having coon hunters and rednecks down here. Well, we sure got a lot of coon hunters, don't we? <laughs> so here come these 10 rednecks. 
going to Egypt. They're no longer in their shepherd's tents. They've now walked into the palace of Egypt with all its splendor and grandeur, with the marble everywhere. And they're going to walk up and look at a slick-faced, oh, I didn't mean that, (laughs) clean-shaven, well-decked-out prime minister. And they don't know it's the brother they sold 13, 20 years ago. Watch this. But Benjamin Joseph's brother Jacob did not sin with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. You see, Jacob's still showing favoritism at the family. Have you ever been accused of loving one kid more than the other? I've been accused of not loving any of them. You said, how many you got? A half dozen. Say, which one do you love the most? Uh, that's according to what they're doing right at the time. <laughs> Come on, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? We probably love one the most that's in trouble. And then when he gets out of trouble and the other one gets in trouble, you love them the most. Has your kid ever called you about 12 o'clock at night? Said, Daddy, would you come to Cleburne and bring cash? And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land. Latter part of the verse. Joseph's brethren came, bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Could have talked to you about the good news. The good news is when famine is in the land, there's corn in Egypt. The good news is when you're hungry, you know where to find food. The good news is when you're thirsty, you know where there's water. The good news is when you find out and really realize that hell is your destiny and one day you're going to wake up in the pits of the dam with the screaming and the blasphemy and the ugliness of all eternity. And the good news is Jesus saves. The good news is there's hope for the hopeless. Good news is there's food for the hungry. Good news is there's water for the thirsty. The good news is, look, we have life instead of death. Notice what Jacob said. Get you down. Why do you look upon one another? Why are you ten deadbeats sitting around here looking at one another, wondering what to do? I have heard there's corn in Egypt. Get up, get out, and go get it. Good news. It was about 50 years ago. I heard the good news. And a fellow told me sitting on my couch 50 years ago, if I'd have been the only sinner in the world, Christ would have died just for me. Well, I knew he died for the whole world. But that night... I realized he died just for me. That night I realized there's a mansion in heaven for me. That night I found out that my sins could be gone. 
cast behind the back of God, never to look at again, thrown into the deepest part of the sea, never to be raised up again, hidden from his face as far as the east is to the west, a continual forgiven. And that night I heard the good news. Can you imagine what it must have been to a father whose children and grandchildren and family was dying because of hunger, dying because of neglect, dying because of the lack of food, and somebody sent him an email and said, there's food down in Egypt. You'll get that after a while. I don't think Hillary would have sent it, but I think there's an email. I don't think she could have found it. Good news. Good news. Folks, let me tell you something. In the famine of spirituality, in a world that's going to hell in a handbasket, in a city that is so religious it makes the, it would gag a maggot, in a city that's going to hell as quick as they can, they need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. Yes, he does. Jesus saves. Is anybody here glad for the good news? Are you glad your Joseph came and died and bled and was buried and rose again and now he's been promoted to King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Glory be to God. Hope nobody gets upset because we get excited. I love it. Good news. The true bread is available. Good news. The light that offers the world life in a dark, dismal world. Good news. Could I please look at a great moment? Good news and a great moment. In verse number six, a great moment. Probably one of the most emotional moments ever to be filmed or played out on a stage in Broadway or Hollywood is this emotional, moving story of when ten brothers made their way from Haran down to Egypt and not knowing that they were going to be confronted with their brother. Can you imagine the haunting conscience over these past 20 years? Can you imagine... Joseph's face torn with pain and fear as those ten evil brothers threw him in the pit and put the cover on the cistern. Can you imagine as Reuben begged for Joseph's life? When I was just a wee lad, I ran across the road and did not see the car coming, and I was hit by a car. So that's why I walk around... That's what happened to me. But for, for years, I had nightmares about a car. Can you imagine the nightmares that Joseph's brothers must have gone over and over in their mind of that 17-year-old boy crying, begging, Please, please, don't kill me. Don't throw me. Can you imagine? Then 20 years later, 
they come face to face with a brother who had had the dream that one day they'd fall down and worship him. Can you imagine the emotions that must have been stirred as they walked into the presence of the prime minister of the greatest nation on earth to buy a meager amount of food that they might live and not die. And the Bible said when they saw Joseph, they didn't recognize him because he was clean shaven, had the Egyptian turban on his head, dressed in robes of royalty. And the Bible said they bowed themselves and bowed their face to the ground. And then it says, and Joseph knew them, but they didn't know Joseph. Can you imagine the emotion Joseph must have felt when he recognized his ten brothers? that had mistreated him. And notice, if you would please, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves before him. See, Joseph knew who they were, and he knew how to deal with them. And Jesus, our Joseph, listen to me now, knows us and knows how to deal with us. Amen. Well, I'll get by with this. No, 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 no. You'll not get by with this. No, no. Well, I've got all my ducks in a row. Now, you've got some ducks missing. We all have some ducks missing. And just as Joseph knew how to deal with those boys, because for 13 years or 20 years now, God's been working on him. He's taught him patience. He's taught him humility. He's taught him forgiveness. He's taught him leadership skills. He's taught him management. He's taught him how to act. He's taught him people skills. And Joseph has been taught in the University of Hard Knocks called experience and he knows how to deal with the brothers and Jesus knows how to deal with us he's called the Holy Spirit and the Bible said when he is come he will reprove the world of unbelief of righteousness and of judgment believe me the Holy Spirit knows how to do it. Amen? Huh? And when he does it, you'll probably say, it's just a coincidence. But it won't be no coincidence. What a coincidence that 30 years after Joseph has been thrown in a pit, he's now in a palace. What an accident. What a coincidence that ten brothers would have to come and bow before that arrogant 
little 17-year-old kid who told them their dream 20 years ago. Well, there's one good thing. Look at verse 21 and I'll close. Dear Lord, it's already time for the ball. Time to quit. Verse 21. And when he came to Joseph, and they said one to another, what's this? We are very guilty concerning our brother. Now look up here. Joseph did not play the blame game. Well, I'm in prison because of this, or I'm in trouble because of this. Shut your trap. Joseph wasn't in a pit because of anything he had done. He was not in prison because of anything he had done. He was there because God wanted him there to teach him how to save a people from starvation. The brothers did not blame Joseph for being an arrogant little punk, and that's why we threw him in the pit. The brothers did not blame daddy for being a passive father who showed showed favoritism to Rachel's sons. They did not blame a dysfunctional family. Are you tired of blaming everybody in the world for your situation? You say, you don't understand my husband. I understand you, the one that married him. And you know, if you guys, listen to me, if you guys are looking in a mirror, honestly, you probably got a pretty good deal. And when you get on the other side of the fence, walking around over there, seeing why the grass is greener, if you'll come to my office after a while, I'll tell you what makes grass green. Thank God these guys, their conscience was dead. They were absolutely hard as a rock over yonder at the pit. But when they fell before Joseph and they realized what they've done, after all these years of haunting nightmares and guilt, they finally said, we are the ones that is guilty. You know why you're going to go to hell? Because you're not saved. And you know why you're acting like you're acting? Because you're not saved. And you know why you're doing what you're doing? Because you're not saved. You say, well, I've said some words. So what? If any man be in Christ, you know the rest of it? He is a what? New creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Would it surprise you to know that I have not had a drink of booze in 50 years? Not one? No, not one. Why? Now listen, don't miss this. I got saved. 
You had any booze lately? You've been watching pornography lately? You slipped back lately? Why? What is somebody else's fault, of course? Couldn't be yours. But thank God these guys realized. And the Holy Ghost come up on them. They said, it's not my mama, it's not my brother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Is anybody here today willing to just face up to the fact that you are where you are because of who you are? Didn't I say I was going to quit? They said one to another, we are very guilty. Proverbs 28, 13, I read it years ago and I believe it. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I'm done. The gracious giver. Notice now, if you would please, I give you three things, and I, I don't. I, I kind of like for you to remember the good news. There's corn in Egypt. Good news. There's deliverance at the foot of the cross. Good news. The bread of life, the bread of heaven, has come. Amen. And all who is hungry can come. A great moment. And lastly, the gracious giver. Verse 24, I close. Watch this. And I'm going to close. Honest. Verse 24. Verse 24. Verse 24. And the Bible said, And he turned himself about from them and wept when he realized who they were and heard them speak. And of course, they were speaking Hebrew. Joseph was speaking through an interpreter. They did not realize that Joseph understood Hebrew. And Joseph listened as they said, truly we're guilty. Truly we're guilty of the blood of our brother. Truly it was our fault. And Joseph's heart was broken and he turned and wept. And he returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound them before their eyes. Now what is? Then Joseph commanded their sacks to be filled with corn and restore every man's money into his sack. The grace giver. They got what they came for and more. You you did get that, don't you? They got what they came for and more. Now they didn't get what they deserved And they didn't deserve what they got. Anybody feel that way today? But I tell you what they did get. They got freedom. They got food. And they got blessings beyond all measure. Can you remember the day when you were hungry? When your life was a famine? when everything was going wrong, when the cisterns of your life had dried up, and when the water of life was all gone, and you came to the bottom of yourself realizing there was only one way from here, and you remembered something. You remembered the good news. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power of God unto all that believe. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Amen. I am glad today to report to you that my Joseph is in charge. He's the ruler. He's the king of kings. He don't have to spend a million dollars on trying to be president. And he don't have to go back and chase the emails that he's already sent. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm so glad of that. And if you're here today, and if there's that much doubt that heaven is your home, you need to come to the bread of life. You need to be saved.